And now Money Matters with the Lewises, Doug, Linda, and Deborah, owners of Lewis Financial Management, a Raleigh-based financial planning firm providing investment and planning advice since 1983. Doug is a certified financial planner who can answer your questions about investments, retirement planning, and estate planning. Why not call Doug, Linda, and Deborah right now with your investment question at 919-860-9783. That's 919-860-9783. Now, here's Doug, Linda, and Deborah. Investments offered through SFA, Inc., investment advice through Lewis Financial Management, SFA Inc. and Lewis Financial Management are not related entities. Hello, North Carolina. This is Doug Lewis, Certified Financial Planner, once again welcoming you to Money Matters with the Lewises, Doug, Linda, and Deborah Lewis. Money Matters has been providing you with a personal financial hotline for all your questions about investments, estate planning, tax planning, money management, and retirement planning for over 30 years. Well, good evening, North Carolina. Yes, we are the Lewis family. This is Doug Lewis, Certified Financial Planner. This is Linda Lewis. And this is Deborah Lewis, Certified Financial Planner. And we are the Lewis family, reaching out to your family to help you with all of your money matters tonight. Don't forget, it's your hour. You can call us with any financial question you have about investments, income taxes, estate planning, retirement planning, Cash flow planning, call us on the open lines at 919-860-9783. That's 919-860-WPTF. That's right. Well, Doug, Deborah, what's been happening? Well, there's been a lot happening, and tonight we're going to cover some topics like what happened this past week, why the market dropped, and what's the new outlook, or what's our outlook brokerage world culture under scrutiny again by FINRA. Then there's some questions to ask before you retire and how to make the most of your 401k. Of course, there's always the question of how do we give, but how do we give stock to a charity? And then if we have time, we might touch on portability, which is the estate tax deduction and retirement tips for singles. Yeah, this past week was an amazing week. There's no doubt about it. We opened the year 2016, markets declining sharply. It was a tumultuous week of trading caused by a heightened volatility in China. All market indexes declined, the S&P index and the Dow Jones recording their worst year start ever. And then at the same time, on Friday, there was a better than expected jobs report. December added 292,000 new jobs, which capped off a solid year of job growth. In 2015, the average of 220,000 jobs per month was the second best year for job creation since 1999. (laughs) The unemployment rate remains at 5%. And that report actually reaffirmed the outlook for steady U.S. economic growth, even against the backdrop of uncertainty around the world. And then with regard to oil, crude oil prices fell to a 12-year low. A stronger dollar and oversupply continue to weigh on oil prices despite increasing geopolitical tensions that are happening between Saudi Arabia and Iran. So what does it all mean? Well, the Chinese government is transitioning from a nation with underdeveloped institutions to a market-based system. 
much more reliant on consumer-oriented growth. And as these policies mature in China and investors gain confidence that China's economy remains on sound footing, we expect markets will begin to recover the year's losses that happened this past week. So even though it's been a volatile week and a volatile start to 2016, we are we are very uh, optimistic. I'm projecting <laughs> that we will have a good year in front of us. It's going to be a volatile year because it's an election year. Election years are always the most volatile. And we have a lot of international things that are happening, uh, international volatilities. Political uh, uprisings. Do, no doubt mm-hmm. about it. But on the other hand, I believe from everything I'm seeing that we are going to have a positive year. Well, what else is new in the world of financial planning and regulatory? Well, Linda, there was an interesting article this past week about something that Doug and I have been talking about, hearing about, um, discussing frequently amongst ourselves, that there is a strong uh, I spotlight. Guess a spotlight. Yeah, a spotlight on this brokerage culture. The culture of brokerages and financial advisory firms is getting a closer look from Wall Street's self-regulator, and that regulator is called FINRA, Financial Industry Regulatory Authority. You know, every now and then we have a movie that comes out that sort of exposes the, quote, quote, the culture of Wall Street. Right. And sometimes it's a really slimy sort of culture with, you know, uh, people in back offices, dialing and dialing and dialing, trying to hit you up with bay with a right. uh, risky, risky investments. And right. other times it's more uh, craftiness. But this matter of the culture itself being brought under FINRA's spotlight is, I think it's a, uh, it's it's high time. This was an interesting article in the Wall Street Journal. It was. It was. It says that FINRA is going to scrutinize the stated and the unstated rules, policies, practices, and behaviors that govern how Wall Street firms operate and interact with their customers. So what would, we, what would be an example of an unstated rule? Oh, gosh. Well, an unstated rule might be, you know, that you only sell to a, uh, you know, certain products to retirees. Yeah. You know, a generalization that might be prominent in the industry. Or how about, uh, well... Why don't you go ahead and push more of the specific investments that are sponsored by our firm so that you can win a trip to Hawaii? Right. Oh, yeah. That's a, that's, that's a, an unstated policy, not written down. Right. But you know it's there. So FINRA is looking at these policies for the first time, the stated and the unstated rules, the policies, the practices, and the behaviors. Yes, this heightened focus on uh, culture is meant to go hand in hand with a deeper dive into sales practices at firms, including how firms are managing conflicts of interest that arise from selling certain investment products. And uh, such practices that have uh, in the, you know, that have recently attracted regulatory scrutiny uh, have included inappropriately steering clients into the, the firm's own proprietary in, investment products, as you said, Doug, mm-hmm. and aggressively cross-selling products from consumer banking to wealth management. You know, uh, this is a very delicate matter also. 
you can go into one of the most respected banks, and I won't mention any names, but one of the most respected banks in America, and you can have a CD that's cashing out, that's maturing, and lo and behold, you're being told that, oh, Mr. Jones, your CD just matured at $100,000. We have some investment personnel that might give you some suggestions. Let me transfer you over to them. And then you're shifted over there, and lo and behold, you're told by a stockbroker who is connected with the bank now that they've got a variable annuity they can sell you. And so that's what they're talking about. FINRA is talking about this cross-selling from consumer banking to wealth management. And while this move and the added scrutiny from FINRA are positives for the investors, they're still in my opinion, plenty of inconsistencies because it's hard to know when the firm is really going to crack down. Uh, I mean, it's a start in the right direction, but what are the penalties that are going to be given? They just announced that we're going to start looking, but it's really hard to find out what's going to happen when the firm's going to let the broker go, fire him, or get away with that kind of stuff they've been doing. So this was big news to those of us that are in the investment world, and I think I'm applauding FINRA. Yeah, it's 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 always um, in the client's best interest to know that there is a regulatory agency that is absolutely out there trying to look out for all of our interest. That's right. This is Money Matters with the Lewis family on News Radio 680 WPTF. For all your financial planning questions, call the Lewis family. You can reach them right now at 919-860-9783. That's 919-860-9783. And at that beautiful office in Midtown Raleigh, where the Lewis family has been helping their clients for over 30 years, Mr. Lewis, what's the number to reach you there? 919-872-7000. Some people just remember 919-USA-7000. Well, what else is new in the world of financial planning? Well, there was a uh, caution in, in uh, this past week's Wall Street Journal about pensions. And the, this is all due to the interest rates rising. Yeah, the, the interest rate rise, which is the first time in 10 years, really, uh, by the Fed, it is having uh, known and unknown effects. Of course, everybody knows that when you raise interest rates, then there is a danger that the value of bonds and bond mutual funds will drop. Yeah, so there were really three takeaways in this article that plans want to avoid paying higher returns over time. And this goes because this is known because the Federal Reserve's move to inch up interest rates for the first time in 9 years may prompt some new pension dilemmas. Right. That's exactly right because we haven't really thought much about pensions, but more companies with defined benefit pension plans are going to likely try to entice their participants to take lump sum distributions instead of keeping that monthly retirement income annuity that they offer. And that's sort of surprising. There's going to be this incentivizing of employees to take that lump sum. And that's because as interest rates rise, companies can assume participants are going to earn a higher return on their cash outs over time. And so what are they going to do? They're going to pay out lower lump sums. Lump sums, but lower lump sums. That's, That's right. right. And, and the more, Yeah, you, go ahead, Doug. Well, I was going to say, the more <laughs> the rates rise, the smaller these lump sum offers are going to become over the next two or three years. And so 
uh, we are really believing that the next lump sum offer that the present batch of retirees get is going to be the best one they're going to see. Now, we had that actually happen just uh to about about six weeks ago, about within within two months, uh, big company and they were offering their employees of senior position take a lump sum and also a severance. And as you know, Doug, through the years, you've seen them go from good to decreasing in value to where many of the retirees in the last um, offer oh, last batch, you know, well, last the batch will oh, get so little. That's right, Lynn. Did you, you know? remember the early Sears Roebuck lump sums that were the early, the early retirement yes, those options? Early, yeah, <laughs> department store. Right, and they were so buyouts. attractive. They were oh, beautiful, yes. and then came the first IBM ones. Mm-hmm. They were tremendous, and then the second batch of IBM, and the third, and each one, the fourth, and the fifth, and each one got less and less and less. And that's the warning that's out there right now. On the other hand. I'm saying don't rush out to lock in that lump sum without considering the overall value of your annuitized income stream. You need some help there, and that's what we will do in our office. Right. Call us, schedule an appointment, and we will help you analyze the one versus the other. You need to always yes. consider hiring someone like us with expertise in pension valuations to help you sort it out. And by the way, don't settle on guidance from your former employer because employers, they are not, they're they're the people that work for them, they are really not financial advisors. You're listening to Money Matters with the Lewis family on News Radio 680 WPTF. And if you've got a question about your retirement plan, or maybe you've got a lump sum uh, offer from your uh, employer, and maybe you have some other questions here in the new year. We hope hope you're enjoying your new year. Call us with your questions on the open line. That number to call is 919-860-9783. That's 919-860-9783. Okay, Bill, this is Doug Lewis, Certified Financial Planner. How can I help you? Yeah, Doug, I've yeah. got a question concerning my wife's 401k. She's got a state 401k where she is maxing out on this, and she has an option to go to the federal 403b. I need to know the difference in the two, and also can she max out on both of them, or is it just one or the other? First of all, she can only max out on the one. The combined limit is going to be the com- is going to be the limit. There are slight differences between a 403b and a 401k. In normal language, we always say a 403B plan is a salary reduction plan for people who work for nonprofit organizations, and a 401K plan usually is a salary reduction plan for people who go ahead and work for corporations. Now, I understand the state has a 401K plan, so that challenges that baseline definition, but it goes back to the early days. However, there are very slight differences between the two. The one major difference that I do know of right off the bat, thinking about them, if I had a choice of which one to go into, all things being equal, and they're not equal, but all things being equal in terms of where the money can be invested, the 403B plan allows you to take control of those assets without retiring, and a 401K does not. That doesn't say that you can roll those 403B monies over to an IRA. You can, of course, when you retire in both cases. But what you can do with a 403B, very few people know this is true, by the way. This is something that is very misunderstood and not known. But anybody in a 403B plan 
which is generally a tax-deferred salary reduction plan for a nonprofit organization, can move that money whenever they choose to another 403B plan that they set up on their own through any mutual fund company and not even tell their employer. With a 401k, you can't do that. Having said that one distinction, that would not be the thing that would make me decide. What would make me decide which of the two to fund would be the investments that you're allowed to go into. In other words, what mutual funds are available? How old is she? 51. 51 years old, and she wants to work for how long? Six more years. Six more years. It's a very tricky decision. It's not a long time, so you don't want to look for which one has the most aggressive funds. They'll all have very conservative in the money markets or what we call GICs or BICs, guaranteed GICs or BICs, guaranteed insurance contracts. But she's got too many years. She's too young to go there. So you probably want to work with the help of someone in evaluating what are the underlying accounts. How much does she have in there, Bill? I think about 25000 In In the 401k? That's right. Now, okay. she can't roll that, though, Linda. See, she can't put that in the 403b. Right. He wants to know, should she... Now, stop funding that one and start funding the 403B. Uh That's right. We really need to look at the sub-accounts, at the investment options that are given to her. And you really want to look at your whole picture. You know, what do you have accumulated? What's the income, Bill? Uh, About $60,000. That's her income or yours or both? Hers is uh, about twenty-eight. And yours is sixty. That's right. All right. So you're looking at about an an $88,000 family income. What's the investment portfolio look like right now, the non-retirement stuff? Um, I guess about fifty. Fifty thousand. That's right. Is that in stocks and bonds, cash, mutual funds? Where is that? A uh, mixture of everything. <laughs> uh, the numbers don't look real attractive because it's it's yeah. I'd like to yeah. I'd like to see some real specifics there because uh, if she only got twenty five thousand, Linda, accumulate. What do you have accumulated in your retirement plan? Mine's federal, and I'll have to check. Yeah. I think you need to work with a certified financial planner to really look at, like Linda said, the whole picture, because uh, none of the numbers come together real simple and easy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Six more years is not a long time. Yeah, and you want to make sure that you're properly planned for so that when you do retire, it's comfortable and, you know, you can cover all the bases. Well, the other thing I'm thinking, yeah. Linda, is if they're making 88000 it may not it, be uh-huh. in their best benefit to max out the contribution. They may want to be uh, investing more aggressively on their own outside of the retirement plan right. and just put a minimum right. contribution in. Exactly. Okay. And that's something we can't answer tonight on the ear, but uh, write down your questions, Bill. And uh, if we can send you any information, if you'd like further information, we'll be happy to send it to you. Okay. You can call the office at 919-872-7000, 919-872-7000 in Raleigh. I can get, it, I can get back with you then. Yes, sir. Okay. Thank, thank you for calling. Thank you, then. Okay. This is Money Matters with the Lewis family, only on News Radio 680 WPTF. They help that caller. They can help you, too. The number is 919-860-9783. That's 919-860-9783. Oh, and I forgot to tell Bill that uh, if you're still listening, Bill, if you call this week for an appointment, we're giving away a copy of either The Wealthy Barber, Middle Class Millionaire, or Simple Wealth, Inevitable Wealth. All three books are very good books. We like them all. We will give you one of those three as a free gift from Doug and Linda and Deborah Lewis. And also you can go to our website, Doug and Linda.com. That's Doug and Linda.com. Yes, and 
Should you have any questions, as we said, uh, and and maybe you've been thinking that it's time to have a second look at uh, your current portfolio, or maybe you have some big decisions to make. It could be that uh, you've been uh, you've lost a loved one and you're recently widowed or become a widower, and maybe you have questions about what to do with the inheritance or the assets that you have. Call us at Lewis Financial Management LLC. Uh, 32 years of financial planning excellence in Midtown Raleigh. Our number to call is 919-872-7000. That's 919-USA-7000. Call us. Let's schedule an appointment. Financial planning is your business. That's right. And if this year is the year that you're asking yourself if you're ready to retire, here are some questions you might want to address. Uh, Because as you're nearing retirement, You might already be picturing yourself traveling cross-country, relaxing on a beach, or hitting the links. But before you move on to the next act of your life, you'll need to ask yourself some questions. Yeah, I would say there are six questions. Number one, when do you want to retire? Number two, have you accumulated enough to retire? Number three, where do you want to live in retirement? Number four, what's your Social Security strategy when you retire? Number five, what's your investment approach in retirement? And lastly, what will you do with the money in your retirement plan? So these are the questions. Let's dig into them. Well, first question is, when do you want to retire? So yeah, since the 1980s, more people of retirement age have remained in the workforce. This working retirement trend has been spurred by many factors, including the shift away from traditional pensions, improved health, and less physically demanding jobs. The vast majority of current workers plan to continue working for pay in retirement, and many will do it for positive reasons, enjoyment, camaraderie, a sense of purpose, but some will have to work to meet their expenses. Let's take a call, and we'll come back to the questions to ask before you retire. Bela, are you on the line? This is Doug Lewis, Deborah Lewis, Linda Lewis. How can we help you this evening, Bela? Well, we have a home equity loan. Yes. Less than 50000 All right. Our rate right now is 1.99%. How much is it? 1.99. 1.99. So with this increased... uh, uh, rate, how much do you think it's going to be? Well, the 1.9 generally, Bella, is a teaser rate. That's not that's not a guaranteed rate for years. Many of the banks offer those 1.9s for the first year, and then it jumps up to the market rate of maybe 3%, uh, 3.5%. I've seen but, some. But it will jump to uh, 2.32%. And that'll be good for how long? Well, I guess forever. I don't know. No, I doubt it because it's going to be an adjustable rate. No, it won't be frozen because a home equity is going to be always moving on you. Tell me a little bit about your situation, Bella. How old are you? I am 80. 80 years old? Yes, sir. Married or single? Um, married. All right. Uh, and your wife, how old is your wife? She's uh, 76. 76. And you say you've got a home. What's the value of your home? About four fifty. About four hundred and fifty thousand is the value of the home, and you have a home equity loan on it. How much is the home equity that you've borrowed? It's about forty 
some thousand. All right. What is your and what do your investment assets look like right now? How much do you have in non-retirement investments? It'd be oh gee, about ten thousand. Only about ten thousand dollars of investments. Yes. And what about retirement funds? Well, our annual income right now is about seventy-two thousand. All right, uh, seventy, and that's coming from Social Security and any pensions. Yes, yes. Social Security and pensions. And pensions. And do you have anything in an IRA? No, we don't. Anything? Uh, okay. And your pension is giving you a pension income. Yes. Why do you? Why did you borrow the forty thousand? Well, <laughs> because we did some uh, uh, home improvements. We had to have some money. We did some uh, renewal on the house. Mm-hmm. What's the long-term plan for the house? Are you going? Uh, will you be living in it for the rest of your lives, or what I is your plan? So. Yeah, we're gonna live here forever. All right. Then I don't think it really matters. The seventy-two thousand that you're bringing in, I presume, uh, and you have no mortgage debt on your home other than this, no, right? No mortgage. No mortgage. So I presume that the seventy-two thousand that you're bringing in covers all of your expenses, right? Yes, absolutely. And then I don't think it matters. I would not try to go ahead and get a new loan. What's going to happen is going to happen. I don't think it's going to be. For example, if I'm looking, hang on, let me just punch in a number real quick. Yeah. If you've only got a $40,000 loan, and even if your interest rate goes up a half a percent, you're talking about an extra $16 a month. Oh, that's not. <laughs> See, but that's a couple doing, That's you know, a couple of hamburgers, right? Yeah, when I get, um, you know, from the credit card, they say 10000 or whatever, you know, no interest. Right. Right. Yeah. I take that and I put it into the. Shredder? Yes. Yeah, I, yeah I, I like credit cards quite a bit because they keep my scissors sharp. Yeah. <laughs> and I pay that up, you know, between the uh, right. expiration date. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good for you, Bella. No, I don't think I would worry. Uh, there will be some increase in the interest rate. Yes, it will. But because it's such a small amount, I would not worry about it. I really wouldn't. Well, okay, sir. Thank you for your advice. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Oh, you have a nice you for evening. Calling. Take care, Bella, you and your wife. Happy New Year and have a wonderful week. Well, that was a nice call. And, you know, um, retirees like Bella and his wife, they've accumulated assets that they have put into their home, but at least, um, you know, they're debt-free. And... um, I agree with you, Doug. It wouldn't make sense. No, it doesn't make sense to go ahead and do with it. But I do like his position. I think they're financially secure. The nice thing is they have no other debt on their home. Exactly. They're they're bringing in more money than they need to live on. Mm -hmm. And they always have the home as an asset. If they they ever needed to, they could do a reverse annuity mortgage uh, because they've got $450,000 minus $40,000. So... I think, a lot of equity. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're they're in a nice place to be. Now we were talking about six questions to ask before you retire, and we covered the first question: When do you want to retire? And as you said, Deborah, a lot of people will do it for positive reasons, like just a sense of purpose and fulfillment or enjoyment. 
other people are going to go ahead and keep working because they need to. But Out the of sec- necessity. That's right. The second question was, have you accumulated enough money for retirement? That's right. Longer life expectancies have stretched retirement to two or three decades. And to help uh, folks determine if savings, if your uh, savings can stand the test of time, set up a time with us at Lewis Financial Management so we can look at your numbers so we can determine whether or not you should be concerned about not having stashed away enough. Yeah, I want to uh, point out that we do things a little differently at Lewis Financial than most firms. When we try to answer that question, have you accumulated enough money, we do not use a depleting value formula. In other words, we don't use what most people That's do. That's real important, Doug. It is. Most most firms, when they analyze what have you accumulated enough, they say, well, let's see what your living expenses are. Let's put a growth rate on what you've got accumulated and let's start depleting it over your life expectancy and see if it'll last for the rest of your life. Right. My experience tells me people don't like that at all to see their money going down, 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 down. So what we do is we analyze your ability to take off enough to always support your desired lifestyle and still have your portfolio of accumulated savings, even at the same level or growing to keep up with inflation. That's right. We don't like to see, we're not going to tell you you can make it if when is th- it going to run out? <laughs> that, that's not what we're going to do. That's so right. That's our answer to the second question, and we will help you figure that out. Yes, we will. That's right. Another question is, where do you want to retire? Almost a third of retirees plan to move to another state at retirement. So deciding to relocate can be a big decision, and this involves careful planning. You'll want to consider the cost of living, cost to move to an affordable area, and a way to, which will be a way to stretch your nest egg. Look at the property taxes, local taxes, state income and sales taxes, the opportunities for work, access to health care, and proximity to activities that you enjoy. You know what's interesting is North Carolina is frequently in the top 10 number of places that people want to retire to. Mm -hmm. So we're a state where we get a lot of clients who, in our practice, who have moved here because they wanted to retire, and now they uh, want to take advantage of being in North Carolina and the cost of living is lower. I'm thinking of one client, Deborah, who early on, I think it was about 15 years ago, asked me about moving to Florida because there was no no state income tax, and he was paying a state income tax in North Carolina. So he moved to Florida after he figured it out. Then he found out that the cost of living was higher there. So he moved moved back. No, no, he moved to Nevada. Nevada. (laughs) He moved to Nevada. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And and now he's moving back to North Carolina. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Full circle. Well, you know, and that's the flexibility you hope to have at retirement. If you answer these questions prior to retirement, you'll know where you want to end up and if it's going to work. All right. The fourth question to ask yourself before you retire is what's your social security strategy? That's right. Social security has been provided benefits to retirees for 75 years. So it's important to note that it replaces about 40% of average wage earners income during retirement, but that's only 40%. So that means that personal savings will need to make up the bulk of retirement income. Yeah, you can apply for early retirement benefits at age 62, or you can wait for full benefits 
uh, or you can even delay it until age 70. And each of these three have pluses and minuses, which we are constantly dealing with as we're helping clients plan. And working with a certified financial planner, such as the planners at our firm at Lewis Financial Management, we can help you make those decisions. Right. So the fifth question is, what's your investment approach during retirement? Once you leave the workforce, your paychecks are going to stop, or at least they'll get smaller. So you're going to need to turn your nest egg into a source of income. Moving into retirement, the investment goal shifts from mostly growth to income and capital preservation. The sixth question, what will you do with the money in your plan, is the one that we're going to leave you with tonight. Now, your employer plan is the one that you would have contributed to while working and rolling over that balance into an individual retirement account might be what you want to do. This would rolling over the into an IRA would allow you to continue to benefit from the potential of tax deferred growth. If you have accounts with previous employers, keeping track of them can be difficult. You can consider using an IRA to consolidate all of your investments. Yeah, and and I, I want to just bring out that these are these six are only a few of the issues that you're going to need to explore as you move closer to retirement. Planning for retirement is complex. It's very personal. To develop a strategy that works for your own specific needs, we encourage you strongly. Contact us at Lewis Financial Management. Call us at the office at 919-872-7000. You can go to our website, DougAndLinda.com. Or you can even call us tonight on the open lines at 919-860-9783. That's 919-860-9783. Well, let's take another call. Rolf, how can I help you this evening? Doug, the question I have is my wife and I are in a position now where we're able to invest regularly, maybe $1,000 a month. Mm -hmm. And I just wonder what you think would be a good way to go. Depends on the person. Uh, tell me a little bit about yourself, Rolf. How old are you? I'm 44 years old. My wife is 40. Our children are grown, are grown and our debts are paid. Kids grown. We do not what, own a house. What's, uh, what's your income, Rolf? Oh, seventy five, eighty thousand 80000 a year. Seventy five to 80000 Is your wife working? Yes, yeah, she drives with me. All right. So, drive. Oh, you're drivers. All right. Yes, and is that, so is the seventy five? is that family income? Yes. Okay. So combined income, 75000 I'm also retired from the military. That gives us. Do you ever, uh, and you've got retirement uh, income coming in? Yes, uh, but, probably eighty-five, ninety total. All right, so maybe another fifteen thousand yeah. coming in on retirement income. Now, let me see. You, what are your living expenses running, Rolf? Minimal. We live on the road. Just minimal. How much of that ninety are you spending? See, I'm sorry. We can we can do more. I mean, we can even do thousand a week. All right. I'm just trying to figure out which way to go with it. They may be as much as a thousand a week surplus, which is about uh, fifty thousand a year. Or f- yes, sir. All right. Tell me what you've got. How much do you have in cash and can and and, and CDs? I've got and- about ten thousand cash I can invest right now. We've just recently started our. We each have an IRA. How much do you have in IRAs? We just each last week put a thousand in. So you put in two thousand dollars in IRAs. Right. All right. What else do you have? That's it. So this income has just reached this point, yes, and the expenses just dropped. Exactly. Okay, so now you're just starting your investment yes, portfolio. Exactly. I see where you're coming from. You want to go ahead and start with your emergency fund, and you wouldn't touch that. Right. If uh, that money, uh, I would say, leave the ten thousand in cash. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't even touch it. 
I thought I'd put it in a money market. That's right. That's your emergency fund. Right. Then you go from there, and if you can invest a thousand a week, that's very good. I'd go ahead and pick maybe one or two. Yeah, to put in two thousand into one, I'd put it into a growth and income fund to start one of them, mm-hmm. and I'd pick a second one, let's say, into a corporate a, a, a corporate bond fund. Then I would go ahead and I would pick a family of funds as I'm working because you're going to be building this portfolio. I wouldn't be concerned about load or no load, commissions or non-commissions. I'd look totally at the performances of the, of the managers. Okay. I'd go uh, and, and then I would pick a unit size. If you're going to be investing $48,000, let's say, over the next year, mm-hmm. then you're going to have a – well, we'll call it fifty to be to be to round it off with zeros. Okay. You're going to have 50000 the first year, then 100000 invested the second year, and so on. Well, with a $50,000 portfolio, I would say that you could probably start with $10,000 units, mm-hmm. meaning that you're sending in 2000 a month, and after the first fund – after one of those funds reaches 10000 that growth and income fund, mm-hmm. and at the same time you've got that bond fund going, and when you've put in five, five 2000s over there, mm-hmm. then shift. Yes, sir. Then go ahead and, get your, and start your second growth and income fund. Right. And then my second bond fund, I might even go into a balance. Hello? Rolf, you there? I think oh. we yeah I think we lost him. Let's take our next caller. We'll come back to Rolf if you're on the line, Rolf, or you call us back. We'll catch you next. Let's go ahead and take Tom's call. Tom, this is Doug Lewis, certified financial planner. Deborah Lewis, certified financial planner. How can we help you this evening? Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna put Jen on the phone real quick because let's talk about her the 401k real quick. All right. Sure. Hold on one second. Hello. Hello. Hi. Um. I had a question regarding um, my 401k. Sure. Who's this? My name is Jennifer. Hi, Jennifer. This is Doug Lewis, Certified Financial Planner. Deborah Lewis, Certified Financial Planner. Fire away. Hi. Hi. Um, basically, I, I um, have been laid off, and my company was, has been, was bought out by another company. Right. And now that I'm laid off and the company is no longer, I just got notice from them saying my 401k, I can't keep it there. Or That's basically. common. Um, so they said, I guess I could get it in a lump sum, which I don't want. Or I could have them, I guess if I don't do anything with it, then they'll just have the company roll it over into an IRA. How much is in the 401k? Um, I think it's about probably 65. So, Jennifer, what's your question? What is the best? Because I had called them, which they were surprised because they haven't gotten any notice from the new company yet <laughs> that they were doing this. <laughs> <laughs> and... um. And I asked them if there was any way, like, I could roll it over into an IRA with the same benefits that I'm getting now. You know, like, not into just a regular IRA, which gets, like, no, it, I guess it's it's not into in stocks and things like that, right? A normal IRA is just collecting interest. Well, um, let's let's get a little bit more information about you. Um, I guess Tom means that you're married. Is that correct? Uh, well, no. No. Okay. So are you single or married? I'm single. All right. Single. And 
how old are you? Uh, 45. 45. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> and all right. So let's see here. Any children? Yes, two. You're supporting two children? Yes. All right. And what have you accumulated right now other than this 401k? Well, what do you, what do you mean? Do you have, do you own anything else? Uh, yeah, my home. And I do have another 401k with the previous company. All right. How much is the other 401k? Uh, honestly, it's more than that one. Uh, I really don't keep track of it. Well, you I need to, like cre- to Jennifer, <laughs> you need to keep, this is your financial future we're talking about. <laughs> All, right. All right. What do you think it is? Take a wild guess so we can find out a little more how to advise you. It's probably like, I'd say maybe a hundred. All right. So a hundred thousand over there at the old 401k. Yes. All right. And Which 60. That company, you know, is fine leaving it there because they're. Right. They're a big corporation. Okay. So you have 100000 in an old 401k at a company you no longer work with, mm-hmm. work at. You have a 65000 at a 401k that you now no longer work at. Any, and you have a home. How much is your home worth? I'd say probably like two forty. Two hundred and forty thousand. Do you have a mortgage? Do you owe any money on it? Yes. How much do you owe? I think it's $181,000. All right. Now... Are you and Tom, are y'all living together, bringing in other income from Tom, or is it all just you? It's all just me. Okay. Well, the first thing you want to know, that you want to do, is you want to consolidate what you have at both 401ks. Uh Uh-huh. Because a 401k, we like to talk about investments, Jennifer, as chickens, because chickens are a nice, easy illustration. Chickens give off eggs. And we like to talk about retirement plans as chicken houses because there's a wolf that likes to eat your chickens, otherwise known as the IRS. Mm -hmm. So if the chickens, your investments, are inside a chicken house, like a 401k, the IRS can't eat your chickens. Once you leave your present employer, just like you left your old employer, There's another chicken house, which is much better and safer for you, called an IRA. Mm -hmm. And you want to move the $65,000 and the $100,000 into one new IRA. Oh, okay. Now you will have $165,000 in an IRA. Now, the IRA that you're going to choose is a chicken house. It's not a chicken In other words, you don't want it to be an investment. You don't want it to be one that's sponsored by an insurance company because they're going to sell you insurance products or annuities. You don't want one that's sponsored by a brokerage firm because they're going to give you their products. You want want an IRA that has no investment products and lets you choose any investments you want. Okay. That's what the I stands for, by the way, individual retirement account. Oh, all right. Now, how do you do that? You do that with the help of a professional such as myself or such as my daughter, Deborah, and that's what we've been doing for 30 years. We will help you find the best 
investments, and we like the conservative mutual funds, but we don't like ones that are just limited only to a certain company. We think that you should be able to go out there and find the ones that have the longest records, track records, the best track records, the, the, the highest probability of you getting what you want, and then you design your own investment portfolio that's right, because you, you might have another 20 years in front of you, and let's say, I mean, who knows, maybe two or three more employers. So the one moment in time when you can take money from one chicken house and put it into your own chicken house, meaning from a 401k into an IRA, is when you leave an employer. If you are at the employer for the whole time until you turn until you're over 60, you know, 59 and a half, or until you retire, then you never get that opportunity. So in a roundabout way, you sort of have an opportunity that you wouldn't have normally had, which is to take away those retirement assets from the employer plan and put it into your own individual retirement account. And when we meet with you, we're going to have to really dig into where you're, you know, you've got, you're looking for another job now, right? Yes. Yeah. So we've got to find out, you know, income sources. Right. Living expenses, all of those are part of what we would do when we meet with you. By the way, jot down our, our, our office number, Jennifer. Okay. 919-872-7000. And also write down our website. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's com. Yeah, you spell That's it all right. the way out, D-O-U-G-A-N-D-L-I-N-D-A. Okay. D- Doug and That's what I figured, but I was going to ask it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, you will have a plan, a financial planning session where we can go ahead and really help you see your world and give you the best advice that's best for you. Okay. So write, you know, and write down any specific questions that you might have about your personal situation. Mm-hmm. And uh, then we, when you come, we can address those very questions. That's right. If you call our office tonight, leave your number on our office line there. Uh, then Deborah will call you back probably tomorrow, Debs. Yes, sir. And she'll go ahead and schedule an appointment to meet with us, and we can take it from there. Yeah. Jennifer, you know what? It feels overwhelming and disappointing and all those other emotions that you go through. But yes. if, you, if, you're, if you've got at least an objective set of eyes on the situation, it can really very quickly turn from something that was overwhelming and very disheartening to something that's very positive because you got an opportunity to control what you, you, what you weren't able to control, you know, while you were employed. But um, having someone at least there on your side of the table is, is usually the biggest compliment that we get. And we wish you the best, Jennifer, in your your yeah. job search, and the best to you and your your yeah. Give whatever a, comes, give me a call tonight. Comes I'll, next. I'll, I'm headed back to the office. I'll get your information. I'll give you a call in the morning. And like, what is the what is the fees? And we never now like to talk about our fees on the air because a lot of our competitors are listening and and they, oh, yeah. and so oh. forth. But but, <laughs> but I will go through. But everything Deborah will cover the fees when you call her. <laughs> a lot of people want to know how can we do it as cheaply as we do it, but but she will tell you our fees when you call her. Yeah, I'll talk to you in the morning and we'll go through all the details. Okay. All right. Very good. Thanks, Jennifer. All right. Thank you. Okay. Have a wonderful week. You too. Bye now. Bye. You're listening to Money Matters with the Lewis family on News Radio 680 WPTF. Thank you for listening. And if you have a question, we have a few more minutes and you can call us on the open line with your question. 
That number to call is 919-860-9783. That's 919-860-9783. And visit our website at DougAndLinda.com. Well, Doug, Linda, we got a lot of questions this year about giving stock to charity. And we may have some listeners uh, asking that very question. Uh, And they might be asking, is it better to give stock or cash to a charity? And do I need to do anything special to give stock? Yeah, it all depends on the stock. Now, if you're giving away appreciated stock, that stock that's grown in value, especially if it's held, if you've owned it for more than a year, it's much better to give the stock than give cash. If you donate the stock that's increased in value since you bought it more than a year ago, and if you itemize your deductions on your tax return, then you're going to be able to get a charitable tax deduction for the value of the stock on the day that you give it away. You'll also avoid capital gains taxes on the increase in value over time, which you would have had to pay if you'd sold the stock and then given the cash to the charity. Now, Now, Doug, what about a losing stock? Okay, whole different story now. If it's a losing stock, one that has gone down in value, now it's the opposite story. It's much better to sell it and give the cash. If the stock is lost value, it's better to sell the stock first, then give the cash to the charity. You'll still be able to deduct your charitable deduction uh, if you itemize, but you'll also be able to take a capital loss when you sell the investment. So let me give you a couple of examples just to see how 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 valuable it is if you do it the right way. Okay. <laughs> okay. So let's say that you've got $100,000, a stock worth $100,000 that you want to give to charity. Got it. Okay. And let's say that that $100,000 stock, you only bought it for $70,000, so it's got a gain of $30,000. If you give the stock, you get a tax deduction of $100,000. That's going to save you maybe $25,000 of taxes, and you're going to avoid paying $6,000 in capital gains taxes. Now, suppose you gave the stock if it was a loss. Okay. And you gave the stock. Well, in this case here, you get the same deduction of $100,000. So you you get $25,000 from the IRS. But if you had sold it and given cash, you'd get $31,000 from the IRS, not $25,000. So you really need to know how to do it right. and to do it right. Right. All right, I think we have another caller coming in. Jeff, this is Doug Lewis, Certified Financial Planner. Deborah Lewis, Certified Financial Planner. How can we help you all this? How can we help you this evening, Jeff? Hey, good evening, guys. Real quick, I just want to ask you a question about in terms of how I use to calculate um, some retirement money. So I ha- I'm, I'm still working. I'm 50 years old. But I have two future incomes from former employers, I guess pensions, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of these employers, upon age 65, I will get uh, $550 a month. Another one, I will get uh, approximately 300 and something dollars a month. My question is, when I'm calculating where I am as far as retirement, do I use the, the monthly return if I just go through with that, or do I use the actual dollar value of the pension amount if I wanted to cash out and get it transferred over to myself? Well, the first question is, are you able to cash it out and roll it over? For both of those, I am, yes, if I choose to do so. <clears throat> at what time? Can you do it now, or do you have to do it at, at, age, at a certain age? One of them I can do now. One of them I can do at age 55. 
How much are they offering you on a cash out on the on the one that you can do now? Uh, it's about uh, twenty six thousand. And that's the one that gives you three hundred a month or five fifty. Five fifty. All right. So you want to know should you go ahead and roll that over to an IRA at twenty five thousand dollars, or should you wait until what age? Uh, well, I'm probably going to retire at age seventy. I would imagine. So at age 70, they would give you 550 a month. Is that what they're telling you? Yes, sir. We don't, we don't isolate one versus the other. What we, 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 we prefer, if you can, to have you take the, the money. You've got to use a couple of different valuations and assumptions here. First of all, you have to say, well, if I roll the money over, what will it grow at? Okay. Now, now, what I like to do, I like to look at the investment choices that we're going to be building in an investment portfolio. I like to look for mutual funds who have had a 10-year average of 7% per year. If they've averaged 7% per year, including 2008 and including last year, then I've got some reason to assume that I can use a 7% growth factor. Good point. Good point. Once I put that number on it, then I'm going to go ahead and see where that's going to end up at that age 70 or whatever the desired retirement age is. Then I want to go ahead next and say, all right, what's the income? How much are you earning right now, Jeff? About 120 a year. 120. Are you married or single? Married. Children? Uh, Two children. Two children. How old are you? Uh, 15 and 5. And um, 15 and five, the kids. But I and look a lot younger, though. But I look a lot younger. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. And how old are you? 50. 50. 50. And the kids are 15 and five. I got it. I got <laughs> it. Okay. All okay. right. All right. So what I'm going to do next is. Is 120000 the family income or your income? 120000 is my salary with probably a bonus between twenty five and forty, depending on how good I do my job. Okay. And does she work? No. Okay. Oh, she does full time at home. Of course, uh, that um, let's see here. So that's 120, 150, 170. So the next question income. we're going to do in our office, and by the way, write down my office number if you didn't get it from the last caller, nine one nine. Yeah, write down nine one nine eight seven two seven thousand. Okay. And write down my website, Doug and Linda dot com, D o u g a n d l i n d a dot com. All right. In, yeah. When we meet with you, we're going to then go ahead and say, and we want to look at your living expenses and see what do you have that you can add to your portfolio on a, what we call a pay yourself first plan between now and that target date. Okay. Because that's the other piece that's important in this assumption. And we're going to use that same 7% on that money. Understood. Understood. Okay. All right. Good deal. Um, okay, well, good. Yeah, I think I'm long overdue for talking to you all, but uh, I love the show. I've learned a lot from you over the years, and I'll be, I'll be reaching out to you in 2016. Great. We're looking forward to meeting with you, Jeff. And, uh, yeah, I really uh, I think, uh, I think it's going to be a fun set of equations because it sounds like you know how to approach it. You need to put it all together now, and that's what we'll do with you. All right. Well, thank you all for listening. We'll see you next Sunday night, 6.05 WPTF. Have a great week. And remember, your money matters because your financial future is at stake.
You've been listening to Money Matters with Doug, Linda, and Deborah Lewis. Money Matters provides you with a personal financial hotline on any subject where money really matters. For more information, you can call Doug, Linda, or Deborah in Raleigh at 919-872-7000. That's 919-872-7000. Or go to DougAndLinda.com. And listen again next Sunday at 6 p.m. for more Money Matters with Doug, Linda, and Deborah Lewis on News Radio 680 WPTF.